under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, it's us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. So it's Thursday night. I've had a long day, but a good day. Had a fantastic interview that will actually be airing this Sunday morning with Ken Austin from Mercy House. Given our format, we were able to really get in and dig into his story uh, for the Public Affairs Show. And I'll just tell folks, Ken Austin and people like uh, Bob Parker from Dreamland Barbecue are doing incredible things to help out the community. Uh, people that, for lack of a better word, broken. Maybe we can come up with a better word. People that are a little lost. Especially kids who are sort of born into those situations. And instead of trying to save the world solve the problem right in front of you and that's exactly what Ken Austin has done and helping one kid turned into helping two kids turned into helping ten and so on and so they have ended up creating a nonprofit called Mercy House essentially gives people in the true sense of the word a safe space if they're a kid and they don't have the greatest home life you know showers a hot kitchen playground in the back Homeless folks who maybe had had to shower in months, how much a shower and a shave and clean clothes and make somebody feel dignified. That's what they do over at Mercy House. So I want to begin the show this evening because that interview since this morning that will air Sunday uh, has stuck with me all day. You just go to mercyhousemgm.org and sign up and you can do kind of a recurring subscription. They're just getting started as a nonprofit. And I know, because I've done it, how many of you out there have some subscription being drafted from your account for $5, $10, 15 bucks, and you don't even use the darn thing anymore? Whether it's Netflix or iTunes or whatever it is, you can afford 5 10 bucks a month. This is to the local community, and uh, I believe in what Ken Austin and so many others are doing there at Mercy House. I really do. I'm just glad that the federal government finally decided to do something like this <laughs> in the state government. Right. Because, I mean, he's making lots of money over there through the state and the feds, right? Right. Yeah. No, he's not. What? You I mean, mean, this is just like individuals on their right. own decide to do something charitable for the community because they see a need and they fulfill the need without being told and or forced by gunfire that you have to do this? Are you telling me that actually happens? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I'm telling you that. Not I've been told my whole life that doesn't happen. No, I, I want to, again, mercyhousemgm.org, folks. In all seriousness, they might apply. It's a nonprofit. You can apply for grants all over the place. Sure. Maybe federal grants. Whatever. But the point is, individual initiative can seem like you're doing a small thing, a simple thing, and then it grows into something much larger. Uh, Ken Austin told me this morning that he never saw himself as a pastor, but his church 
now I think has 75 members, if not more, uh, started as just two families doing Bible study, and it's grown into mm-hmm. something. Um, so just take that first step. You never know where it's going to lead you, folks. Don't try to envision too much into the future. And before I keep going on such serious topics, I'm looking at both of you. Now, you, Seth, just turned 36. Yes, sir. Would that be considered middle age? I think so. You're over 35 is middle-aged? Yeah. I mean, 70 is about it. You know, maybe 80 if I'm lucky. Okay, fair enough. Had a rough life. No, sadly, the uh, life expectancy for men in this country has gone way down. And it's two pretty dark reasons. Uh, Opioid and deaths from addiction and suicide have gone up. So America's happy, folks. Wow. They're real, real happy. But... So we've established you you just reached the cusp, if not just past the cusp of middle agedom. Yes, I'm 30. I still have a few years. Mm. I'm hitting well. I'm hitting the prime of my life. Uh. I could say so, and I know I can accomplish this feat. It's not really something to be that proud of. But you, Southernwood, yes, you are definitely middle aged. There's no question about it. Oh, I'm past middle age, man. I'm on the backside of four. How many 91-year-old men do you know? His beard says Santa. My great-grandfather, I believe, lived to 92, 93. My grandfather on that same side. Well, the He he looks like he's going to be going a while. Grandfathers on both sides are going to be going a while. Yeah, well. I think you'll you'll live to like 140, like Job, you know. No, no. I'll be lucky to make it to 70. But I'm the, just saying... Uh, now, the Sharp and the Suggs, I mean, the two predominant parts of my family, Yeah, I mean, they they lived, I mean, into their 70s. Okay. In early 80s. Now, my granddaddy on my gray, on my daddy's mother's side, he, granddaddy Wingard, he probably knocked on 90. Okay. Now, my... I knew my great-grandfather on my mom's side, uh, who I'm named after. He, his name is Joseph Skinecki. Papa Joe, as I called him. I had named Joseph uh, after him. And, of course, the carpenter who you know helped usher in the savior of the world. Mm. But I always felt weirdly prideful about that because, you know, in Catholic <laughs> churches, they don't have a, much, you know, hang-ups about, you know, statues and idolatry. And uh, so there'd be like, this, there's Joseph. I was named after that dude. All right, all right. But uh, my great-grandfather on my dad's side, I never knew him because I think he died in his 50s because they told him, dude, you have major artery blockage. You're going to die very soon of a massive heart attack if unless we do this newfangled thing called open-heart surgery. And he was the type, and actually I can't blame people. Like, this was brand new. He was like... You're going to do what to my chest? You're open. He's like, hell no, I'll die. And he did. But, I mean, it's, uh, you know, pride. And if that's the way you want to go, that's the way you want to go. But speaking of cardiovascular issues, this is why I brought up the question of age. You're definitely middle-aged. Mm-hmm. Let's use your age, Southernwood, in terms of seasons. You're in the autumn of your life. <laughs> That's a nice the, way of calling me old. The leaves are starting Aunt to change. Christy just said, man, 84, you look old. <laughs> yeah, look at that beard. I mean, you're not quite Moses level. I mean, but I mean, you got salt and pepper going on. Well, that's just because the, the, the tobacco, leaves. the tobacco spit runs uh, down okay. oh, here, that and that gives me the two black Let's just say the leaves are changing. Are the leaves changing all over the tree? Oh, do the uh, curtains match the drapes? 
I don't. I hadn't checked lately. Oh, good. That's a yes. I should. We shouldn't have even gone down this road. Anyway, the point is, you're both middle-aged men. You a little further along the road, Southern boy. I'm a little more middle than Sam. And a new study <laughs> came out that if you are a middle-aged man and you can do 40 push-ups, normal push-ups, not the 10-second, 5-second push-ups I've been doing, just which I can only do like six 10-second push-ups. Those things suck. But 40 normal push-ups, they said that you now have a 90% better chance of having no heart problems whatsoever. So my question to both of you, given your age, can you do 40 push-ups? You're both working men. Right now, no, but I mean, give me a month. A yeah. little bit of practice You're and I could do it. Up. Yeah. I could probably get 20 or 30. 20 or 30? Yeah. What about you, Southern Wood? You're a working man. Nah. You're, you no, know, you can't do 40 push-ups? See how long I am? I have a lot more weight. Dis- distributed yeah. to, to my my shoulders. Where is it distributed? It's right in the center. And that's what makes it hard. Okay. No, it, I, in one week, I probably could. I Wait, that in a week? You do eight yeah. a day? No, you do. You don't think you... How many push-ups do you think you could do? I, I probably could do about 20. Yeah, okay. But you do 20 one day, the next day you do 21, yeah. and then the next day you do 26, and then the next day you do 29. And right. It's it's like it, there's an old fable about the man that was toting a cow around. Mm-hmm. They were like, how in the world can you tote a cow around? He says, I just picked it up from the day it was born. Every day uh, I picked right. the calf up. Uh, farm yeah. strong. And, uh-huh. and so, you know, and... As they gain three pounds a day, it's just three more pounds. It's not like walking out there and picking up, a, you know, a 900-pound cow. It's that, well, it was 897 pounds yesterday, you know, right. and, and you're just, you're gradually increasing. So, I mean, I, I'm healthy enough. I could get to 40 if I wanted to, but. No, it's good for right you. Right now, that, the, uh-uh. they, it's, it's keeping it where people can understand it because there's all sorts of arguments over, What's the best for like your heart? These sort of things, and this simple study showed like if you can get to forty push-ups, not you know there's ten percent chance it might be masking something. Like you must be, you're in great like physical like exercise athletic shape, but you've been eating you know lard and your cornbread every day. You might it have doesn't. some yeah you know, right. It's good. <laughs> yeah. It's really good. I don't like that cornbread that's slow cooked in the oven. So my great grandmother used to make it. I, Anna, I, I met her a few times, and it was a lot of lard in the top of the of the skillet, and then you just put those fritters down real quick and fry them. Woo! Oh man, flatbread! Yeah, yeah. stuff is mm-hmm. good. That's a lot better than that baked whole cake. Yeah, stuff is yeah. great. See, but, I, I know some redneck stuff. But if you just work towards it, folks, forty push-ups, and it'll, you'll have a ninety percent chance of never having really any heart problems. Trying to keep me alive. Yeah, exactly. I'm Thanks, looking man. out. I'm looking out for you. I'm looking out for you, Southernwood, in particular. I think looking what out he's for saying, Seth, is, is you and I look extremely unhealthy. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was questioning. No, I y'all died yesterday. <laughs> y'all were both working men. I wouldn't yeah. put that down. No, the cardio is the thing with me. It, as physical as I am, right. you're not... It, it, it does not do anything for your cardiovascular system. You know, walking around, you know, climbing in attics and and folding up. I'm very, I'm more limber than any other okay. 45 year old you you'll ever meet. Yes, I can. Really, it is yeah. impressive. Yeah. What? 
And but it, you kind of have to when you're six three to get in these, in these tiny spaces. holes. Yeah. You have to be able to like put your knee over the top of your head, you know, to to get into. And so I'm physically fit on that end. I bet you could do a mean down dog. But is pigeon pose? Oh yeah. yeah. I bet Miss eighty four loves that. DDP that calls it can opener though. Regular yoga people call it pigeon pose. DDP calls it can opener. I'm all about a can opener, man. I call it a cannonball. Oh, yeah. Cannonball's another yeah. DDPY move. Really? No, and I was amazed. Like, if you haven't worked out in a while, folks, just try to do something. Like, some, like the simplest exercise, and you'll realize how out of shape you are. This was me about a year and a half ago. I tried doing the beginner workout of the DDPY, DDP yoga stuff, and I was blown up. Like, I was gassed. I'm like, what is this? And I'm not even doing the lunges correctly. I'm on one knee, like, twisting and stuff. This is bad. I'm 29. I feel terrible. And luckily, I've done that for a year and a half. And now I'm continuing to do the DDPY stuff, but I'm also doing uh, some weight training. And then that's a whole other level where it's like, okay, I thought I was in good shape after doing this yoga thing for a while. DDP yoga. He hates now that people call this stuff yoga. I'm like, well, you branded a DDP yoga for two or three years. It's your fault. Come on, man. But now that I'm doing the weight training at Express Fitness 24-7, I'm learning where I'm weak in other ways. Like my back. Like the posterior chain. It's not as strong as it should be. So you do things like deadlifts and squats and lat pulldowns, and I'm learning all this crap. It's kind of fun to learn. It's more mental exercise than just a physical exercise. Mm -hmm. But I love this place, Express Fitness 24-7, because it's in the name. It's 24-7. I can go whenever I damn well please and get a great workout in. Um, I'm going to the Zelda Road location, the Hillwood Festival Shopping Center, right above Firehouse Subs. And it's a split facility right across the parking lots where you can do all those heavy compound lifts. And it's doing wonders. I've already noticed doing this for a month now, two, three days a week, a major difference. Along with the yoga, keeping the flexibility and all that stuff. Tushy getting tighter. Something like that. Yeah, Yeah, I could pick uh, up. They don't call him buns for nothing. I could pick a pencil up off the floor, sure. Ooh, the pencil test. We can do it. I got a pen. No, I'm not doing that right now. I'm not going to do it. During the break, you're doing a split. And I, am not, I am not a monkey for an, your entertainment, sir. I'll, I'll, I'll do a trick. <laughs> That's what you two are here for. <laughs> uh, no, but I, I love Express Fitness 24-7 also because you can not only go when you want, but maybe you are you have been sitting on the couch for a while or you just haven't thought about exercising much. It's like, I'll join a gym, but it's like, where do I begin? They'll give you free initial personal training. Like, here, what are your goals? What are you looking to do? Okay. Here's some suggested workouts. They make it quick and easy for you. But there are locations all over the River Region, in Prattville or Millbrook or Pine Level or Clanton, I believe, even. It's all over the place here in this area. So check out Express Fitness 24-7. The best way to do that is expressfitness24.com. Again, Express Fitness, the number 24. Like you're watching Jack Bauer take down the terrorist or a corrupt president or some crap. ExpressFitness24.com. You know, it is funny. I've been watching 24, and that's kind of played out for me. It, like, I'm, I've seen enough of it. It's a little too much smell the fart acting and, like, how many times can the country be hit by terrorist attacks? Like, good God. Like, tear down the whole system if year after year terrorists have nuclear weapons and they're working with the Russians and whatever. 
But as I'm listening to uh, Andrew McCabe, and I'm listening to the folks that essentially started this investigation on the president, the way they talk about this, James Clapper yesterday, I went on like a 20-minute rant about this joker. It's like a season of 24, like the president. Just for a second, I know we're on like conservative talk. Let's actually entertain their theory, folks, because it's a juicy theory. I'm saying this with my tongue firmly in my cheek, but it's interesting if you actually believe... And if it ends up being true, it like, good Lord, help us all. But they actually believe, some of them, that Donald Trump is an asset for Russia. <laughs> that Putin has Trump in his back pocket. Just let that sink in. Like, seriously? Did any of this go on during the Cold War? I wasn't alive back then. But were there accusations of Kennedy's work? Well, no, you had the whole Bay of Pigs and Cuban Missile Crisis. I'd, I'd imagine that shows some credibility that, you know, we, we're willing to blow up the entire Earth globe. Because I just also watched a documentary on Flat Earth. Oh, Lord. It was actually a very good documentary. It was presented, and in a big sense, they said, get rid of your pretense. And stop condescending to people who believe the Earth is flat. Because all that does is make them hold on to what they think even firmer. And how many of you, like you here in this room, or people out there listening, if somebody came to you and said the Earth is flat, how many of you could actually show them and prove to them the Earth is in fact somewhat round and more of a spherical object? That's the thing. It's what we're taught in school. We give, we're given the explanation. We're like, yeah, okay. And I buy that explanation. But if somebody came to me out of nowhere and said... I've seen the collage, though. I would say look at the moon. Right. It goes across. I Have mean, you seen the lunar... Well, they claim that's like the, the celestial dome, like moving or something. Oh. Like the Truman Show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. It's fascinating. And it actually goes back before... It was proven the Earth was round or a sphere, some, not a perfect sphere, but something like that. Everything in nature is round. Right. All celestial beings or bodies, bodies right. are, are makes, round. It makes sense once you realize it. But before that was proven, I mean, most mythologies, most religions pretty much said the Earth is flat. So it's not like it's... Oh, how yeah, could what, you? How could the, you believe this? It's, there were dragons at the end. If you if right. you sailed to the yeah, unknown, horizon, you would yeah, and that's funny because yeah. unknown regions would say there be dragons, there be monsters of some type. It's interesting that we represent unknown territory, uncharted territory as the monster and our worst nightmare. Like, and it's sort of you know, I've also been watching the Curse of Oak Island. <laughs> oh my God! You have not been watching that. Going. I got a metal detector. My, one of my roommates loves it, so I I humor him and we watch it. And I've kind of gotten into it. I don't believe the oh, the curse thing, especially some of these ghost hunting stories. You know, ghost hunting's fun, but on the Curse of Oak Island, they just did a special on the curse itself, not like actually digging. They found some cool stuff. They found a old Templar cross that was actually dated. To, if from a mine that closed in the 15th century. It's like, okay, that's we found that. That's an actual fact. Cool, there might be more stuff here. 
And one theory, the simplest theory for the curse of Oak Island, is that people told these stories. And any sort of hidden treasure story, you tell a a curse story or a ghost story around it to keep other people away from the treasure that you want. You don't believe the curse. But let's scare the hell out of anybody else that would dig it up. Yeah, I dig that. That could go on. I don't know. It's... uh, it's bizarre, though, and funny to me how much people will see what they want to see. Because they did, a, what is it, an EVP, where they essentially have a recording device that can hear very minute, like, almost indiscernible sounds to the human ear. And they do this thing like, do you want us to leave? They <laughs> and they, they listen. What's your name? And, okay, they got one recording Hi. where the guy said, what's your name? And you heard on the tape, I'm going to try to recreate the sound as best as I can with just my mouth. <laughs> mm, sound like Joey to me. Mm. And, and the, the guy, the ghost hunter came with him was like, oh my God, did you hear that? What did you hear? And the guy's like, <laughs> and it's like, um, well, you say something before. He's like, I, I'm not real sure. And the ghost hunter's like, I hear, chain them. And they play it back, and it's, it's no, that it's not chain them. That was it's a frog. <laughs> and the other guy's like, "Well, I thought I heard Jason because we asked his name." And is Jason? No, it's not. It might have been Spotlo. <laughs> right, and it's it's fun. No, and don't get me wrong. I get the heebie-jeebies, and we've talked about ghosts before on this show. Like if you say, "Joey, here's that dark room. Let me crack the door open for you." And uh, why don't you stick your hand in the dark there? Oh, man. I'll be like, no, I'm good, man. <laughs> I'm good. Especially if you told me, oh, and by the way, about 50 years ago, a whole family was murdered in that room. I'm even more going to be like, no, I'm good. I love, so I'm not immune to that thinking by any means. I love the power you have over people when they move to somewhere new and you tell them that somebody died here. Like, hey, the guy that lived here before, he died in that room. What? <gasps> right. And it's like, come on, man. They're yeah. dead. <laughs> Yeah, it's just, I don't know. I I don't try to look down at that stuff, but sometimes it's just like, dude, you're you're having way too much fun. Take yourself way too seriously. Another theory about the curse of Oak Island is the curse. I mean, there was some crazy story of a guy who was like this bar fighter, one of the early treasure hunters in the early 1900s, hired to look out after their dig site at night. And the dude wasn't scared of anything, apparently, because he's a bar fighter. He had this reputation of... He's this man's man, and he'll kick anybody's ass if you question it. And so, apparently, the story goes, he's out there one night watching over the dig site, and this furry, human-looking being, but it was, like, all covered in black fur and had bright red eyes, was choking him, and it stirred him awake, and it was choking him and said, Never come back. Supercabra. Never come back. And but this dude who's this man's man, like (laughs) leaves immediately, claims he had bruises around where he was choked, and would never go back to the island. Sounds like he drank too much at night. Yeah. Mm, Yeah. That's what it sounds like. It's probably the case. And maybe hit some branches or something. Whatever. But I think the best explanation for the curse might be the people have woven these curses around so it would protect the treasure that they think is actually there. And I think there's some evidence that something went on there, like in terms of 
people burying stuff there. There's just too much evidence to like. There were they found French drains. Like there was some activity on the island, obviously. But I like the idea, and I just love ironic ideas like this. That the curse is the obsession with the treasure itself. Mm-hmm. That people for over two hundred years have been trying to find some the mystery out about Oak Island for so long that it's the legend starts to build on itself and become self-fulfilling. Yeah. Spending all uh, the money and time and effort and blood and sweat and tears looking for something that may or may not even be there. Right. Apparently it's not there. But we need that sort of stuff. We need... I, here's the thing. It could be that the flat earthers are completely wrong and I think they are. But... They could be right. They could be right. It could be that... <laughs> I doubt they're you gotta right. you got to give them the benefit of the doubt, man. No, no you else. don't. Look, at some point, you got to call somebody that's crazy, freaking crazy. Everything, <laughs> even down to the smallest thing that we have, is the round. single cell, right. is not just round. It's a sphere. Everything is spherical in the universe. Everything. Right. It may look like a jagged rock, but if you break it down to the atoms within that rock, they are, oh, excuse me, they are spherical. Or you go far enough back. It makes sense. Okay, Democritus. What's, I mean, what's flat? Nothing is flat. Rose minded. No, but there is something to. Y'all sound like my dang children when we're having a cookout. They come up with this crazy crap. Oh, I agree with you. Just to piss me off. And I think flatter is a bad example, but it is an example of people wanting to find some deeper truth or mystery about the world. And often it's like, in my opinion, the curse of Oak Island. It becomes sort of this self fulfilling legend to where it's you've even sunk so much into it. I was telling Seth about this last night, but let's not talk about the specifics of what we were having our conversation about at dinner. But it, it becomes, there's so much like sacrifice, so much blood and lives spent, like Oak Island, to find this treasure that the idea of we should stop, this is madness, like, oh, no, 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 no you can't admit that. It, this documentary on the Flat Earthers, some of them, I think, even, they didn't outright admit it. But think about some of these folks that have been told, like you just said, Southern Wood, you're crazy, you're crazy, you're crazy. 95% of the population is telling these folks they're crazy. They finally, with the magic of the Internet, meet other people that believe the same thing as they do. And they now have community. And they belong to something. And they organize events around it, and they have a good time, and they go over their theories. Like, oh, I bought, I, I, all I need to prove the Earth is in not uh, is flat indeed is a, a very expensive gyroscope. And if I could just have this very expensive gyroscope, I could show that the Earth isn't tilted on its particular, this axis point. And this other guy's like, well, I have the money, I'll buy it. And so they do it, and it, it shows the Earth is tilted on its axis. Well, there must be something wrong. We'll, we'll put the gyroscope in a very expensive box. Well, I got the money to fund that. Like, well, that didn't work. But we must be right, and they keep searching. Here's the thing. If you finally show these folks you're wrong, like you convince them with some argument. You don't shame them into it. You actually show them the signs. You convince them. You put them on a rocket, and you send them up into space. Oh, okay, it's round. <laughs> And what happens is people feel ashamed. It's like they've spent so much right. time. You double down on your your presupposition 
rather than using the scientific method of having a theory, and, that, and you can say that's a legitimate theory, but go through the scientific method mm-hmm. and test it and go, oh, well, my actual theory was wrong. Well, it's the sunk cost fallacy that and I've already spent so much money in this. That's I got to right. keep spending it. And like, so let's start a TV show and that way we can I'm keep down, funding this. I'm down 10 grand at the craps table, but you know, another 10, I mean, I'm, I'll be back in the black, baby. You tell them what's really happening. Suicide rates go through the roof. Right. And no, and there is something to this where it's like, are they calling for violence? No. I mean, maybe you can make a case that ignorance, like, if you're ignorant about something, you know somebody's wrong, you should correct it. But, like, what are you really going to do if they refuse to accept your version of the world? Okay, am I really going to tell those people they can't have a flat earth convention? Of course not. If they're happy, let them be happy. If that's what makes you happy, I'm all good with that, man. Because I think any other sort of remedy other than, like, free speech is much worse. Like, if you force people, like, you must recant your terrible theory. No, that's a bad thing. Don't tell me to what do. to do. Right. No, and I, I would never, never opt for that. I mean, that's, I mean, if you want right. to think that, I mean, that's fine. And you can come up with all kind of great ideas and, and, and explanations on why you think that. I think that's a good mental exercise. You know, know, know what you believe in. Well, and in my opinion... Even if it's yeah. wrong, know why you yeah. believe it. We well, have to. And this is why, in, for lack of a better word, I'm a libertarian in the sense that I think freedom is the best or most optimal... Or here's a, the best way to put it. The least bad option for dealing with the world's, <laughs> world's problems. I yeah. like the way you put that. The least bad option. That's me. It's like our government. Right. And, it's terrible, but it's the best thing that's out me. there. That is me, ladies. <laughs> the <option>. least bad <laughs> option. He's, well, he's not harmless. Hey. You don't want to be harmless. At least he's got a job. I got <laughs> jobs, go. homie. And he's got a he's got a weird worldview talking about mist and stuff. Yeah, man. I'm, I'm going to start writing poems again. He's got tattoos. Yeah. And I'm Moth. funny. <laughs> yeah. And they're all, one of them spelled wrong. <laughs> well, we got to hit this break. Coming back, I, I kind of want to apply that. That a lot of people say, yeah, freedom of speech, but they say, well, freedom doesn't work in other areas. And there's some assumptions they're making that aren't exactly, well, at least take your assumption, these assumptions under a microscope and think, maybe I'm wrong. Joey Clark.
Welcome back. So where to go, where to go? Oh, yeah, that's where we left off. So my general working theory, and I think there are some exceptions, but my where my north is, my true north is, politically speaking, is liberty. Without liberty, the world's a heavy lift. I wrote some dark poem about that a while back. Yeah. That it's kind of like a Sisyphean nightmare. Like we roll the rock up the hill and it's all of us working together, whether you're working class or upper class, and you get to the top of the hill and you find that some philosophers in some fancy robes are trying to in their primate pride, you know, philosophize about the world until, you know, another war breaks out, the rock rolls back downhill, and we start rolling it back up again. It's kind of the rise and fall of civilizations, all this pride, and will last forever. I mean, you think these old empires in Egypt and China and all across the world thought they would end? No. Feels like we're all pushing the rock up the hill, mm-hmm. and then one person trips. And well, and, it starts all over. Again. And catastrophe is always a potential problem, even with liberty. But I think with liberty, we have a mechanism to sort of talk about it, figure it out. I was listening to a great discussion of like, well, isn't there such a thing as hate speech? Yes, yes, there are things that people say that are very hateful. There are things that people say that are not meant to enlighten or foster and engender understanding in themselves and other people. I mean, think about the last time you were angry and what you said in that argument. Sometimes it might the anger might clarify what you mean, but most of the time it just turns into like you're about to go to blows, but you're just using words instead. Right. And I, just listen to politics on cable news, folks. Well, Watch the talking heads debate. They're They're trying to beat each other up with their words and not trying to understand one another. And, and a lot of speech is hate. I mean, that's just the way it is, but it's not necessarily tied to I'm saying this simply because you're a different color than I am or you're a different uh, gender than I am or, right. or you know, you have a different sexual preference than I do. Right. That's not necessarily motivating even if something comes out that is derogatory towards your race, creed, right. you know, color, somebody might sexuality. Say, uh, somebody might say a racist thing because they know it'll hurt somebody. Well, something just or as they, simple as if you and I get in an argument and I say, Joey, you damn hippie, Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm making a comment about okay. your long hair and the way that you dress, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I hate all hippies and right. I'm judging you <laughs> just for you. being a hippie. Right. It's just that I don't like you and I'm mad at you. <laughs> exactly. I'm angry at you at this point in time. Well, n- let's even grant, though, that there are, like, the guy who wrote that stupid editorial in some podunk. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> like, the KKK should ride again. <laughs> Good Lord. Please keep that in context. Bring back the Night Riders. I'm, oh, an, I'm an adult. Yeah. I don't want to hurt your face. I want to hurt your feelings. All right. But even, like, that was... That's called being a female. Oh! No. <laughs> Talk about a hasty generalization. No, that is not a generalization. (laughs) Women are evil. They are vicious. Should I start playing Dazed and Confused? I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what you play, and there's not a single woman listening that would disagree with me. They don't, you know, little Joey and little Seth are on the playground. Seth does something to Joey, they get in a fist fight. 
Seth gets a bloody nose. Yes. Next day, best friends. Right. Girls, hell to the gnaw. Ain't no way. They are vicious. They go, mm, okay, I'm mad at you. They go to all their girlfriends and they start spreading rumors and yeah. talking vicious. And that's the way girls, the, the, the females, for the most part, nothing's blanket, but like 99.9%. They're going to say something vicious to injure your soul. And like your you reputation. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm telling you, that's the way they are. They are yes, that's where vicious. I got, it from. Right. I got it from my mom. You got that from your mother? Yeah, my mother and my grandmother. My mom's bad, but my grandma's the worst. Oh, really? Yeah, Cherokee. Man, an angry Cherokee woman, don't do it. Ooh, Ooh. red yeah. stick. Man, you have no idea. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> I'm learning right it's now. It's red because... It, it wasn't right in the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, here's the point. We've established that people say things that are hateful because they're mad at somebody. They may not like a particular person. You might very well be a bigot in some of the, the big ways. Who the hell knows? All that crap exists. But I don't think we should have hate speech laws. Because I think you can, number one, pretty much I believe in people. Like, I think most people, when they hear really hateful stuff go ooh that was that was really hateful yeah mm-hmm. and even if you might be on that person's side you're like oh i hope we stop it with the hate here in a second like everybody it it and think about like any argument you you're not in but you've witnessed and even if you're on somebody's side in that argument and it gets it heated, still makes you uncomfortable it's like yeah ooh, you're on it yeah, i can see it in your face right now right. I mean, that's exactly how you feel it's just man i wish they'd quit if, if you ever see like like spouses fighting in public or right. boyfriend and girlfriend really, it's not fun. That it, it leaves you with a that, very the cortisol levels go up. Your the stress oh, level yeah. goes up. It's like ooh, it I, kills the vibe, man. That too. I mean, has how one person can walk into a room of twenty people and that one person have a negative attitude and bring down the whole room. Yeah, it's it's that daddy yelling at mommy at the dinner table oh, energy. Man. You know, it's like whoa. I just want to go to my. Can I be punished? Can I go to my room? <laughs> <laughs> like, my goodness. And so, I think most people can feel that, number one. And I think freedom is the best way to deal with hateful speech. You allow hateful speech so that you can allow free speech, absolutely. Good, enlightening speech, where people are really informed and in trying to understand something. Because, what's the alternative? And I think this applies to things beyond just free speech. I think it applies... The biggest one that's been thrown out in this country, we've actually done a really good job of free speech, freedom of religion, advancements and basic civil rights, dignity for people that were historically oppressed. We've come a long way. Where have we dropped the ball on freedom, in my opinion, is economic freedom. Someone's like, yeah, you're free to speak your mind how you wish and mm-hmm. believe what you want, but uh, you can't trade with people. Do you have a license to sell that lemonade on the street corner? Yeah. And I wish that Silly things like I wish that. that was an exaggeration. Or now New Jersey is taxing the rain, not technically, but they're taxing property owners because when it rains in New Jersey, there's runoff from people's concrete structures and mm-hmm. asphalt, and apparently pollutants are on the concrete, and that runoff creates an environmental externality that's a cost to the whole community, so we're going to really, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, you said all that, what's the bottom line? 
we're going to tax your ass. That's the bottom line. Yeah, and yeah, because we didn't have enough foresight to reinvest in our infrastructure mm-hmm. and our sewers cannot handle the runoff of all the people that live here right because the water is not soaking into the ground it's hitting the rooftops and running into the ditches so rather than wisely use the tax dollars we're already collecting what we're going to do is find another way to get even more tax dollars but say you want to like stop hate speech and you say we should pass a law saying you can't say X. You can't say anything that might be like Nazi. Though, what if you're trying to teach people about like what the how bad the Nazis were? Like, Mein Kampf. My struggle is banned. We you cannot sell that book. You cannot read that book. Whatever. What if you're trying to understand how that guy came to power? Well, no, 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 no. You, you can't understand. You can't even quote it. It's like George Carlin's seven dirty words you can't say on television or radio. It's like even if you're quoting it, you're not allowed to say it. It's like the stupid game we play when, like, the news reports somebody saying a bad word. Everybody knows what the word is, but we're not allowed to hear the word. We're allowed to hear it. Right. It's just, in my mind, it's a little silly, but I understand, you know, social etiquette. Fine. There are limits on speech that way. Social norms. There are limits that way. But say you got enough people, you got a majority, you got the House, the Senate, you got the presidency, and somehow you've packed the Supreme Court to where they're ripe. They're all lathered up and ready for some hate speech laws. We're going to ban Mein Kampf in particular. The number one rule of history comes into play. If you do not remember the past, you are doomed to repeat it. Well, and then you have to ask yourself, well, okay, if you do that, who gets to define hate in the future? Exactly. Ah. That that's that's the, the the danger there, and you know my deal with hate speech is let the person mm-hmm. make the hateful statement because all it's going to do, and I'd use it in the truest sense of the word, it's going to bring out their ignorance. Reflects badly on them when when you hear them and you're like, really, right? Like the guy you were bringing up, Sutton is like, oh, the editor he really yeah. said that. Right. I mean, l- let him talk. It, what he said, some of it hateful. Sure. Yeah. A bunch of it is, yeah. like most of it. And he doubled down, but that's fine. Let him say that, and then let us listen to it and go, this dude's off his rocker. Right. I mean, he's lost his freaking mind. They're taking away our choice. But I think this, in, in many ways, it's like, we're going to stop you from making a bad choice. And it's like, well, what happens if you stop people from making a bad choice? And if you let the authorities, which at the end of the day, a law is force. What good is a law unless somebody's going to enforce it? I mean, so somebody says, no, I'm not paying that fine. All we're doing is fining them. It's like, no, I'm not paying the fine. Well, well, sir, your fine just went up. I'm not paying the double fine. Well, then we're eventually it ends up with we got guns. We're taking you into custody. We're locking you up, or if you resist, we'll kill you. Like I mean, that's what law is at the end of the day. Sometimes you need that threat. Like if other people are going to kill other people, and that's a good limit on on speech. You're threatening to kill somebody. Yeah, you get a visit. Well, let's don't kill people. Right. You're like outside and there's an angry mob. You're like, go get them. Like, yeah, you should be held accountable for that. Angry mob, thanks for joining me today. All right, we're going to go take out Southern Woods double-wide trailer. (laughs) 
with a pitchfork and but some make, torches. Make sure to get his cows first. <laughs> Dairy is wrong. There is like an angry, an angry mob of vegans just taking out Southern Woods property. <laughs> Methane. Your cows are polluting, so there are they're they're killing are, the ozone. <laughs> there are some clear limits, but it's just at a certain point you have to realize that okay, if I try to solve this problem, what other unintended consequences are going to come out of it? For instance, New York City passed a law. New $15 minimum wage. People are now upset who've worked, say, in the fast food industry that they're being fired. When people told them before they passed the minimum wage law, hey, if you increase the cost of labor, they won't hire as many people. So now they're trying to pass another law that says you can't fire people except without really, really good cause. Now, I'm sure that'll lead to them hiring more people and giving more people opportunities, right? Because as soon as you hire somebody, you can't fire them, really. Yeah. Ah. Most definitely. And it and that's the slippery slope. It's well-intentioned half the time, but it's more in control, more it's, control. more. Sometimes it's not well-intentioned. People the, like the control. The but. intentions are juvenile, though. I mean, they are absolutely juvenile. I mean, at one point, you know, there were uh, men that, like took wood and put it in water and to get it soft and bent it around and hand drilled holes and made spokes and that's how they made tires right and then they were like well good god it takes him an entire day to make one tire how about automation right and we've got this machine sure this machine it costs like a year's salary but it can make 10 wheels a day and it'll run forever, you know. Pretty much. As long as you, you know, all you have to do is maintenance to it. But that's like hiring 10 men it instead makes, of one man. Makes the world better. Makes life a lot easier for a lot of people. Why do they have kiosks now when you walk in McDonald's and you punch in your order of what you want? And you just walk up and say, I'm, you know, ticket number 187. And they give you your food. But then, here's the thing. I'm all for that. I think you should have the freedom to automate, to create more efficient machines, forms of production. But then we should also have in our mind the people who are displaced. But Say with, people in coal country, you aren't just going to have as many coal factories coming back online. I, I get that. we got to figure out something. Or th- really, it's more, in my opinion, getting out of their way to where they can figure it out for themselves. Because I think people are very capable it's not like, oh, go learn to do computer code. It's more like, okay, there's got to be some opportunity here. Let's figure out the opportunity. It's the investment on return, though, and that's where, on something silly like increasing the minimum wage, if I can hire a kid that's 14, 15, 16 years old to punch uh, a computer screen at you know $7 an hour, whatever minimum wage is now, you know, that's fine. If I've got to pay that same 14-, 15-year-old $15 an hour, Mm-mm. then I'm going to start looking at, well, you know, it's going to cost us twenty grand to upgrade to this kiosk system, but, but then I don't have to deal with a 14-, 15-, 16-year-old not showing up for work or right. being irresponsible or, you know, well, having a basketball game or a volleyball game they have to go to. And one example, though, of unintended consequences beyond just economics is, say, the opioid crisis. I think what the president and many people have proposed is the exact wrong thing to do. I think it will lead to more overdose deaths. 
I think it will lead to more problems. And I'm not saying they, that's the intention. I'm saying that will probably be the outcome. I will just humbly suggest to people, and it's counterintuitive, especially for Americans, the places that have solved, like when they had hell on earth, major drug problems, places that solved it pretty quickly, did the exact opposite of what we tend to do. We tend to go, drugs are wrong. Drugs are the problem. Number one, don't do them. If you do do them, mm, you're, you've probably done something illegal. And if you sell them, we're locking you up for a long time. And so the, the game is lock them up. The people who are selling it in particular. And kind of look at anybody who's addicted as like, you've done something really wrong. And they have. They were not fixing their life. But two places did a completely different approach. Switzerland. I was just listening to this this morning. Switzerland legalized heroin. Now, that didn't mean you can go buy it at CVS or the Circle K or whatever. What they did is if you're a heroin addict, you can go to a clinic and they'll be like, you want heroin? It's medical grade? All right, here you go. We won't give you enough for you to overdose, but here it is. By the way, if you want this, you got to join this program. And we'll try to give you opportunity. And what's happened is people, when they see that there's more to life, that they could have a good life, that there is opportunity out there, they stop doing the heroin. It's an old, it's the whole uh, chemical hook is the idea of addiction we have in America. And it's an old test with rats. You give a rat one bottle of water that's normal, just water, other bottle of water laced with, say, cocaine, and the cat or the rats alone in the cage. Maybe there's a cat outside menacing it. The rat goes for the cocaine water all day, every day, until it dies and shrivels up. But then some brilliant psychologist came along and said, yeah, but isn't a rat pretty miserable just in a cage by itself? Like, if you're thinking of what it's like to be a rat and what's a, the good life for a rat, like, it's not living in a cage by yourself. Jeez. So they created, like, rat heaven, rat paradise. Like, it's a big enclosure with all sorts of other rats and mousetrap and things for them to do and plenty of food and whatnot and they did this say Teresa four healthy pets and they did the same experiment they gave it like cocaine water normal water but when they're in rat paradise they don't like the cocaine water mm. life is good enough I don't need this drug to make me forget how miserable my life is and I think that's often what's going on with people who are addicted for one reason or another. There are sometimes people who have amazing lives on the outside and they feel like they don't deserve their success. There's all sorts of reasons for addiction and destructive behavior. But at the end of the day, if you give somebody a better environment and show them, teach them how to fish, then they'll choose not to do the destructive behavior. Not always. But it's a counter to approach. It's worked in Portugal. It's worked in Switzerland. Yeah. I think it could work around here. Then the government couldn't make all that dark money, though, off yeah, they don't trust them us. bringing the drugs in and selling it to the people. You're crazy, man. <laughs> You're crazy. The earth's flat. <laughs> Thank you for listening, folks. Be back tomorrow. Joey Clark.